Welcome to the Refuge Podcast from Trinity United Methodist Church in Ruston, Louisiana. Our prayer is that God uses this time to speak specifically to you, regardless of where you are on your faith journey. We'd like to also invite you to worship with us every Sunday morning at 1045, either in person or online at www.trinityruston.org. Thanks for listening. So our scripture reading this morning, it comes uh, from two places, actually. The first reading comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 11 through 13. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to open up and follow along. It'll also be on the screens. 1 Corinthians 13, 11 through 13. Hear these words. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, and I thought like a child, and I reasoned like a child. When I became an adult, I put an end to childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we will see face to face. Now I know only in part, and then I will know fully, even as I have been fully known. And now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, and the greatest of these is love. And then from Ecclesiastes, we're actually gonna read the whole first part of the third chapter, verses one through eight. You will find these words somewhat familiar if you're a music fan. For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to throw away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to seek and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear and a time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. This is the word of God. So this morning we continue in our sermon series, our Toy Story sermon series. As I have said the last few weeks, we take clips from the movie and in all of the Toy Story movies, they wrestle with different aspects of the human condition. But We believe that the answer to all that ails us as human beings is found in the word of God. And so that's really the basis for the sermon, though the movies certainly help provide a little bit of a framework. In your bulletins too, there is a portion called Table Talk, and so I invite you to take that home with you and use it as a way to go a little bit deeper during the week. We're so blessed to have some of these from Church of the Resurrection, and so they allowed us to share this with you. And so use that as a conversation starter with your family uh, or with your friends or just even with yourself uh, as you go about your week and, and try to incorporate some of what you have heard. So this week is all about endings and new beginnings. It begins as Andy, has, who has now grown up. He's no longer that little boy that we saw last week. He is getting ready to head off to college. Some of you have headed off to college this week. Some of you parents are getting ready to uh, send some off, or maybe you have already done that. As a mom of a senior in high school, I am painfully aware how short that time we have left as things are 
And, and it, is, it is just kind of heartbreaking. So many parts of our life together are coming to a close and new things are gonna take their place. And so as we join in in the movie, there has been this moment where Andy's mom has come into the room and she's told him he has to sort it. He has to clean out his room. And so he has to determine what, which of his stuff is trash, which of it can go and be put up in the attic, maybe if he wants to save it for later, or what would be donated. And so the toys are a little anxious about this, as you can imagine, because they don't know which pile they're going to go in. And so in the scene that follows, he makes a decision, and he does, and he grabs a black trash bag, and he begins throwing all of the toys from the toy box, the ones we have come to know and love, into this trash bag. And at first, it looks like they're headed for the, the curve, the curb, and they, but the last one he takes out, he takes out these two, Buzz and Andy, and he puts Andy in the college box, and he puts Buzz in that black trash bag. But what the toys don't know, because they're locked in this trash bag, is that Andy is intending to put them up in the attic and save them for a later time. But he gets interrupted by his sister, and somehow the toys end up on the side of the road right as uh, the garbage truck is coming down. And they make a quick decision and end up donating themselves to the donation box where they are headed for Sunnyside Daycare. Now you heard Jesse say, what is daycare? Uh, They really had no idea what to expect. And they go into this place and, and it is like this mecca of toys. They're everywhere. And there's all these kids that they can hear in the background and they're so excited because they're gonna get played with. They haven't been played with in years. And they meet a bear called Lotso Hugs. Lotso Hugs smells like strawberries. And he seems to be this really kind and gentle grandfather type of bear. He introduces them to Sunnyside and he takes them to the room where they are gonna meet these delightful kids. And he shuts the door and then they discover they are in the two-year-old classroom. Now, if you've ever worked with two-year-olds, or had any that lived in your house or visited on occasion, you know that two-year-olds are not exactly the most gentle of creatures. And so very quickly, they are dipping them in paint and they are banging them against the wall and they are throwing them at one another and sitting on them and kicking them. And the toys are just getting torn to pieces and it is terrifying. It's not that gentle play that they had with their friend, Andy. And so at the end of the day, a little battered and bruised, they decide to go to Lotso and plead their case because they were not made for the two-year-old classroom. They believe they're for older kids. And there they discover that Lotso is not the bear that they thought that he was. You see, underneath that really gentle kind of surface is this Supervillain, for lack of a better word, a, a mob boss type who really, as it turns out, runs the daycare with an iron fist and he tells the toys that they are basically disposable and that is why he put them there. He is this evil tyrant, very angry, very bitter. And so we right away have our first kind of thing that we wrestle with and it, we've all met people who were kind of like that. Maybe not evil, but a bit angry, a bit controlling. People who maybe at one time in their life 
were good folks, but somehow got sidetracked. And so you begin to wonder, like, how does that happen? What is it that brings people from their natural state of being kind and loving and affectionate toward one another to a place of anger and bitterness and ugliness? Well, Lotso had a story. So right away you see this contrast between Woody and Lotso. You know, Woody, too, is at this place of transition where Andy is getting ready to move on, and Lotso was deeply impacted by the loss of Daisy. Now, as parents, we know what happened in that scene, right? The little girl was heavy, and her mom's carrying her to the car, and she has this knowledge that all parents of young children have, and that is that Hell hath no fury like a toddler whose nap is interrupted, right? They just get mean and mad. Maybe it's just my children, but you don't want to wake them up. So she's putting her in the car and she forgets the toys behind and then they get home and it's probably a long drive. And then that evening, what happens? The bear is gone. And so what do you do as a parent when the beloved toy is gone and, and the child is inconsolable? You go to Walmart, and you go and you get another one if there's shelves full of them, don't you? Because, because you don't want your child to be sad. I remember my uh, son, my middle son, had a favorite bear, and he also had this little dog, and they were brownie and woofy. And one, one summer, we left them in Gatlinburg, and it was devastating, and there were no replacements at Walmart, so we kind of had to struggle through that, and one day, this package arrived in the mail, and unbeknownst to us, the people in the cabin that we had rented had found Brownie and Woofy and mailed them home. Thank you, and we could finally sleep again in my house. So, so I get that, but Lotso doesn't understand that perspective. He doesn't understand the perspective of the mom. He doesn't understand the perspective of Daisy. All he knows is that he has experienced rejection and pain, and he can't let it go. And it breaks something inside of him, and he dwells on it, and it begins to consume him, and he begins to hurt the people around him and to allow that to just seep into his soul. I once read a church sign that said that bitterness is the acid that destroys its own container, And that always stuck with me. Scripture says it another way. In Ephesians 4, Paul writes, you have to put away all bitterness and anger and wrath and quarreling and slanderous talk, indeed all malice. Instead, you have to be kind to one another and compassionate and forgiving just as God in Christ forgave you. Because you know how we handle the difficulties that we face in life, how we handle that pain matters tremendously. And and I wonder sometimes if the ways in which we deal with it look any different than the ways in which the secular world deals with it. As people of faith, shouldn't it be different? Pain can turn into bitterness, and we can start extending that pain to the people around us, creating walls, keeping people at a distance so that they can't hurt us, and we can get stuck, just stuck in those in-between places between the end of something and the beginning of something that God has for us. And sometimes we can even become so busy seeing what isn't that we lose the joy of all that is around us. Now, forgiveness, as the scripture talks about, it's not saying that what the other person did was okay. It's not saying that it isn't a problem, that it isn't important, but it's a letting go. It's a letting go of our right for retribution, 
And it doesn't even mean that we enter into relationship with them again. Sometimes, because of the nature of what happened, we can't have that person to be a safe person in our life anymore, and so we have to create boundaries. But forgiveness is this conscious and deliberate decision to let that go, to let those feelings no longer fester within us, to give them over to God. I think, too, about uh, my middle son, and, and we always called him Tommy Two-Fist because he often had his fists clenched like this, or he had two things in his hand at once. Like, if he had one sucker, he had two. Like, he just always uh, did that. And, and one day, I noticed that um, he was never releasing one of his hands, and, and finally, I'm like, buddy, buddy, open your hand. Let me see, because he seemed to be kind of wincing a little bit, and it turned out that he had had this splinter in his hand and it had gotten infected and because he never opened it up, probably a week went by of it being infected and we didn't see it because he was holding so tightly and it wasn't until he began to open it up that we could do what we needed to do to get in there and clean it out and heal it. And um, that could have been a really dangerous situation had we not discovered it and tended to it. And, And so that is what Paul is saying in Ephesians. He's saying this can be a dangerous situation for us as individuals, for us as a body, when we hold on to these things so tightly. Instead, Christ calls us to respond differently. Lotso couldn't do that, though. He couldn't forgive, and so he became really cruel to the other toys. And while this may have kept him safe from being hurt It also kept him from really experiencing the love that was available to him with all those other relationships he could have created. The writer of Ecclesiastes knew something about endings and beginnings. He wrote this, many believe, as a reflection as he neared the end of his life. And this is what he wanted people to hear. For everything, there is a season. And a time for every matter under heaven, there is a time to be born and a time to die. There's a time for us to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted, a time to embrace, a time to refrain from embracing, and on and on it goes. But one of the hardest things, I think, for us to know is what time are we in? Is this the time when I'm supposed to be silent? Or is this the time that I'm supposed to speak up? Is this the time, Lord, that I'm supposed to break it all down? Or is this the time that I'm supposed to do like that little girl and stitch it back up again? The time to hold on to something or the time to let it go. And and we have a really difficult time, I think, discerning where we are exactly in all of that. And so it takes a lot of patience and a lot of prayer and discernment for God to help us recognize in which time we stand. Now, in one of the most moving scenes of the movie, near the end, Andy's toys find themselves at the garbage dump, and they are in the incinerator. They're moving towards this huge fire, and they've done everything they can to escape it, and they know when they land in this fire, they're going to melt, because that's what toys do when they get put in fire. And they finally realize that all their options have run out, that death is what awaits them, And when they begin to let go, something really beautiful happens. Let's watch. Totally left you hanging if you haven't seen that movie. I will give you a clue though. There's a Toy Story 4. (laughs) It probably works out, okay. Plus there's one more clip we're gonna watch in a minute. But it, 
what a beautiful moment and a wonderful reminder of this great truth that we find in scripture. God gave us each other. He gave us each other to walk through this together, through the good and through the bad. You know, I think the work of the adversary is division. To make us think that that we don't need one another, to to bring us to those spaces where we hurt one another, where we're constantly fighting and and like Lotso, just just corrupting. And, And here is this reminder that no, we're here for each other. We can face anything that comes our way together. That's how we do it. We don't have to be alone in this. You know, one of the beautiful things that community does sometimes as we walk through the transitions of life together is sometimes we transition with someone as they start to walk towards the end of their life. I think about all the times I have stood by someone as they prepared to transition into their eternal home. And I think about how many times there were loved ones there holding on to them speaking words of hope and comfort and encouragement on that last part of their journey, singing to them, reading scripture over them, anointing them. This is the gift that comes from community, from having those people in our corner that love us, even to the point that they would walk us, as painful as it is, into that last moment. One of the songs that has become popular at funerals as of late is the Hymn of Promise by Natalie Sleeth. Some of you know that song. In the bulb there is a flower, in the seed an apple tree, in cocoons a hidden promise, right? This song, you know, she wrote this and she had heard a T.S. Eliot poem and it was called Four Quartets and it said, in our end is our beginning, And that just resonated with her and that became one of the lines in the hymn. And she found out a few weeks after she wrote it that her husband had terminal cancer. And as she transitioned with him, as she walked him to that, on that final part of his life, he asked her, he said, will you sing that? Will you sing that at my funeral? And she did. The last part of each verse is unrevealed until its season, something God alone can see. And that's the part that helps us as people of faith to respond to these things differently. Because we understand that one, despite all the noise around us that tells us otherwise, we are not alone. And even if every friend we have abandons us and moves on to something else, we still have our God. In the final scene of the movie, Andy decides instead of putting his toys in the attic, he's gonna share his toys with Bonnie. Bonnie, throughout the movie we came to know, was a little girl whose mom ran the daycare, and Bonnie is great with toys. And so he brings his friends there and they go into Bonnie's yard and they play together one last time and it is this moving space and then he gets ready to tell them goodbye and that's where we pick it up. It was an ending for the toys of their life with Andy, but it was a beginning of a new life with Bonnie. Now lots of people cry when they see that part of the movie because 
We've all been through those transitions and they can be so emotional and there's so much we don't understand about it, so much of this life that is a mystery to us. First Corinthians talked about how when I was a child, I spoke like a child and I thought like a child and I reasoned like a child and, and then it goes on to talk about how there is this time though when all the things we don't understand that we see like a mirror dimly, we will come to fully understand. And there's a line that I, I didn't ever pick up on until just recently and it said, now I know only in part, but then I will know fully. It's talking about you know, when we reach eternity, when we enter into God's presence, we're gonna know everything fully, even as I have been fully known. Even as I have been, not in that moment, then God's gonna fully know me, but I am already fully known. God knows us. He knows our ins and our outs. He knows our hearts. He knows the pain that we carry. He knows the things that have shaped us in positive and negative ways, and and our God wants to heal it. Our God is inviting us to open and show him, to give him those things so that he might offer a way forward for us to see the beauty that still awaits us. And so I had this final deep thought last night, and it was this. Maybe the idea of endings is really, in Christ, an illusion. Because maybe in Christ there never is an ending. Maybe it's only beginnings. And that's the mystery of God. God said, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the completeness of all things. And so if we have faith in him, what seems like our worst moment, what seems like the end, never really is. It is always an invitation to something new if we can but trust him to lead us in that space and begin that process of letting go. One of the ways I see this expressed is in the sacrament of Holy Communion. It is at this table as Jesus faces an ending of sorts in his own life with his beloved friends, the ones who have been his companions on the journey. And he takes the bread from the table and he said that this is my body and it's broken for you. Whenever you come together, and when you come together as the body, Remember this. And I think that he wants them to remember it because he knows what is about to happen next. He knows that is what is gonna seem to them like the very worst moment of their life is actually a great gift. And it is found when his body, his soul, returns to show that he has dominion over death and we have nothing to fear And he takes the cup and he blesses it and he said, this is my blood which is poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Drink from it, drink deeply from it. Be forgiven in remembrance of me. And if you remember that you are forgiven, what is it you are to do? You are to go and to extend that forgiveness to the people around you. That's what our scripture reading said, that we forgive as Christ has forgiven us. And so we ask him to pour out his Holy Spirit upon these gifts of bread and cup that they may be for us the body and blood of Christ so that we might go from this place, his body, in the world 
and we might experience the power of that forgiveness. And so I don't know what it is that you might be wrestling with. I don't know what it is that maybe God might be inviting you to begin letting go of and um, to begin to see these new opportunities in front of you. But I know that if we listen, God is speaking. And so as we share communion today, remember that it is a table for all of us, not just for some of us. It's an open table. So it's not a Methodist table, but it's God's table. And the kneeling rails are open. And so I invite you when you've had communion and experienced that to come and and to kneel before God and to pray and to just really listen to where he might be leading you. Thanks for listening to The Refuge Podcast. To find out more about The Refuge and Trinity, visit us online at www.trinityruston.org.